Good evening, and welcome to Cinema Death Cult, the eulogy for the death of motion pictures in podcast form. I'm your host, Adam Bolger. Tonight, I'm looking at the 1984 Eddie Murphy blockbuster, Beverly Hills Cop. Directed by Martin Brest, Beverly Hills Cop was the highest grossing film of 1984, besting Gremlins, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Ghostbusters. But since then, Beverly Hills Cop seems to have fallen off the cultural radar in a way, which is a shame, as I think it's one of the most fun movie experiences out there. And it's also a film that has a lot of things you can talk about (laughs) uh, that I think that has kind of gone a little unsaid, which is why I'm excited to bring on my returning guest, uh, philosophy professor James Griffith, who's joining me to talk peak Eddie Murphy. (laughs) <laughs> welcome back i like peak eddie murphy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's true i mean this it's is crazy how peak it is yeah yeah well it's wild because i think he was still on saturday night live yeah i think it was his last year on on there yeah that's so so he's this guy who's on tv every night every you know saturday night and like he was the only guy on saturday night live to like host Saturday Night Live while he was on in the cast. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because uh, uh, and, he got sick or something like that right before he had the, like, Oh, hours. 48 hours? Yeah, I think, I, or maybe it was another Nolte movie. So. Oh, really? Because <laughs> Nick Nolte was the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To? Nolte was the one he was supposed to host, and, and he had to bail at the last second because he got really sick, like, hours beforehand or something like that. Oh, man. Maybe that explains why um, th- there's such, like, a hostile rivalry seeming <laughs> yeah. between them in 48 hours. That's uh, so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if that was before or after 48 hours, actually. No, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. But I, I did, because we're also going to be talking about a bunch of more or less roughly contemporaneous Eddie Murphy cultural artifacts. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I just rewatched uh, 48 Hours last night, and uh, I was really struck by how much, like, um, Nick Nolte doesn't give Eddie Murphy an inch in that movie. No, no. <laughs> it is wild. Like they're fighting for fucking control of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And and it and it works so well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of the uh, the um, the dynamic of the characters, anyway. I mean, yeah. To the point where, like, the moment when uh, Nolte flips out on on his sergeant or chief or whatever, yeah, and like praises. Reggie. Reggie, yeah, I almost said Billy yeah. Ray. Um. <laughs> I know. I almost called him Axel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the second that he does that, like, it, yeah. it's, it's almost out of nowhere. It's like, you, you were going to kill each other, like, 15 minutes earlier. Well, it's, yeah. It, well, it's really weird because it's such an interesting character dynamic because yeah they're they're at each other's throats and they're so hostile and so like like not backing down mm-hmm. and just like it's such a battle of fucking charisma yeah you know but then all of a sudden like nick, nick nolte is just like oh yeah i got a girlfriend you know things are tough and oh yeah so we have one good night you know like he's real weird like, yeah like, weirdly, <laughs> yeah just this so forthcoming about these personal issues <laughs> but you would never 
Like, okay, you just met this guy in prison. Right. It's it's been about twenty hours at that point in the yeah. conversation. <laughs> out of forty-eight. You yeah, you just met this guy and he was singing Roxanne by the police <laughs> on an easy chair in prison. Right. Doing which his is Stevie Wonder while doing it. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, that's such a, a, we'll talk about 48 hours for a little while. I know this is like nominally a, a Beverly Hills cop podcast, but it's so fresh in my mind and it's good to talk about both movies. I think so too. I mean, so yeah, I mean, peak, peak Eddie Murphy is a really good way to put it. I think. Cause, yeah. Cause, uh, Beverly Hills cop is like the, the pinnacle yeah. the apex or whatever. Of, right. Of yeah, because he was on Saturday Night Live, so he's on TV every week. He had by then, I think both Raw and Delirious were I out. I think Raw came out two or three years after. Oh, okay. But Delir- yeah, but Delirious was out. Delirious had been out for like a year. And then he has a whole other comedy album that's, oh, that's an right. hour of stand up. That. Yeah, it's like the one with um, he's like has a rose on his yeah. Uh, ear. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, is that where party all the time is? No, I, I think that he might have a whole album of just songs, of real songs. That are apparently, I mean, the only one I know or that I have any memory of is Party All the Time, and that is yeah, I mean, atrocious. I don't mind it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like a gag gift or a novelty. <laughs> I guess. I, I think it's it's an okay, it's a lightweight 80s okay. pop song. All right, I'll give you, you know? that. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's a little bit of meat on that bone just vis-a-vis. It was produced by Rick James. Of course, yeah. What? Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you watch the video, Rick James is like nodding in the control <laughs> I'm <Right>. Rick James. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Enter Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> this man was a habitual line stepper. <laughs> but, yeah, that's and that holds up. I've watched, yeah. So all this Eddie, I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan, and but yeah, so like this is peak Eddie Murphy. So he had a comedy album out. He had Delirious out. He's on it, Saturday Night Live. He had done Forty Eight Hours and Trading and Places, Trading Places, which I just yeah. watched last night. I think for the first time in a couple of years, that's the one of oh. these that I've seen, kind of most consistently. Yeah, yeah. And oh my I, god, I, that movie is brilliant. That that movie is incredible. And you know what the wildest thing about it is, especially in light of the um the GameStop stock manipulation thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the, that's a good I think, call. I didn't even think about that because I, I still cannot figure out how they made money. Like I, I, sh- I understand sh- how sh- they bankrupted the Duke brothers, but I don't understand what they were doing. <laughs> I know and it's money. I once read a real financial explanation for what happens there. And it's like they have a position. They, I think it's they're shorting the commodity, right? The frozen orange and juice, okay. The frozen orange juice, they're shorting. I think it's that they're shorting it. But it's something that's so complicated. What I haven't been, what I couldn't figure out and what I've never been able to figure out about that part of the whole thing is like, are they buying frozen orange juice as it's collapsing? Or I, that's, that's the part that, that confuses me. I know because that's how they're bankrupting the the Dukes because the Dukes bought it at whatever price and then and then it cuts by half or more. It's one of the most crowd pleasing comedies yeah. ever, and, and that's the a heart crazy of the plot, complicated. Yeah, 
this crazy kind of complicated financial uh, transaction or event. I don't even know. Yeah. And it, it like it does make sense. It's like a way to uh, explain like, this mechanisms in the market and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, people, I think it's like cited and people like use it to explain stuff. It's like one of those things like, um, what's an, ex- you know, it's like one of those examples of like, this is how a movie that you don't expect to have reality. Right. <laughs> that does, you know, you don't expect for similitude. In the in the movie where fucking um, Dan Aykroyd is dressed as Santa Claus and stuff examined to his <laughs> you don't expect that. You know? And Eddie Murphy is smoking a joint in the executive bathroom. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one in a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm like that's the one I've seen the most, mm-hmm. and that one's great. But it's also it feels like that was like the trial balloon of Eddie Murphy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably. I mean, at least. Well, yeah. Okay, because well, I'd never seen Forty Eight Hours. At least not all the way through before kind of doing doing some research. Because he was yeah. he, he hit that peak right when yeah I was too young as a kid for me to have like experienced that peak. Yeah. By the time I was old enough to be aware of cultural touchstones like this, he was ubiquitous. Like he, yeah. it's it's he might as well have always existed yeah and and by the time he was ubiquitous the quality of his work was dropping declined. like a rock yeah yeah i mean i'm a little bit curious to see like i've never seen like boomerang or distinguished gentleman his kind of mid-career i think that, that, I, you know actually i saw boomerang in cine studio i think <laughs> oh that's interesting and i think that's supposed to be kind of good i remember I, liking it but i also yeah obviously don't have the most strong memories of it because i think i saw it i saw um it was wretched and i was like it was like i couldn't my mind couldn't process it to the point where it felt like like alienation dis disassociative like psychedelia uh the adventures of pluto nash oh god which i think which oh, i think was like god i think with, i might i didn't see it in the theater but i think i remember renting it thinking oh this is going to be sweet it's eddie murphy he's awesome because i've seen delirious and raw yeah. <laughs> whoops <laughs> yeah it's crazy how bad that movie is yeah it's wild it's so terrible and um i think it's it it, it might have been like the most money losing movie of all time good or yeah, it deserves it, it deserves yeah it, so. yeah all of you yeah. deserve to go back so that's like his really bad movies and it's like the ones that are not as well known that are better thought of, yeah. but also like he's like all the fat suit movies. Oh yeah. He has yeah, yeah. like Norbit and professor and, stuff. And yeah, he was still like wildly successful. Yeah. But there, but there are atrocious movies. I mean, I, well, you, did you watch Beverly Hills cup three? No, I watched one and two and you told me that you watched Beverly Hills cop three and you, th- you said it was terrible. I thought it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, I was I, I, stunned by how bad it was. I mean, maybe, to me, to me, it was like a movie that he was. It's like he was trying to make the Axel Foley character. He was he was trying to give that character a movie that he could let his kids watch. It's like the beginning of him uh, becoming family friendly. Uh, no, no, it was directed by John Landis, who directed Jesus, um, who directed Trading, Trading Places Place, and Blues Brothers. Yeah. And, yeah, and Animal House. And Animal, yeah, yeah. He's the he's a great Saturday Night Live director. Yeah, yeah, for a minute, and then he, uh, but then he killed a guy. He killed three people. Seriously? On uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did the Twilight Zone movie, and there was like some stunt that he 
um, was too reckless about, and he killed like a famous old Hollywood actor and two um, ch- like a children, I think. Jesus Christ, really? Yeah, yeah. It's a horrible story. And, I uh, I did not know that. Yeah, and his son is Max Landis, who is an alleged serial sexual harasser. All right. Yeah, Lovely. yeah. So I know. <laughs> yeah, because for him, you know, because you're, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, John Landis, Blues Brothers, Animal House. Oh, yeah, really good movies. American Werewolf in London. And like, oh, yeah, I was no. actually thinking when I was watching Trading Places, like, geez, what happened to this guy? He was really, well, apparently he's a, he's in prison for manslaughter. <laughs> no, he should be. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he, I think he was in Hollywood jail, like movie jail. Right, okay. He can't get work. Yeah, I think he couldn't get work or just his budgets went down or mm-hmm. I don't know. Because he's still made movies for a while but they fucking sucked after yeah. a while too <laughs> okay let's stop talking about john <laughs> i think it was easy in the 90s in the 2000s just to like you said eddie murphy is ubiquitous we couldn't get away from him the his movies are not very good yeah and and you think of his early stuff and you're like eh. i think the early stuff suffers by just the fact that all that bullshit came out later uh yeah yeah okay I'll, I'll agree with that to some extent but yeah and maybe this is because i watched 48 hours and i had never seen it before yeah um i was so blown away that a lot of that a lot of that dross from the 90s and 2000s or whatever is was kind of cleared away because i was so stunned by how how good i thought it was yeah tell me about that what struck you about 48 hours uh well you when we were talking about this before you put it you put it really well like it starts out as a kind of a standard uh kind of what um uh uh it's like Clint, a tough guy cop movie yeah yeah it starts out like a a tough guy cop like maybe something you would see in the fifties or like a dirty <laughs> Harry type of thing right yeah you know yeah. I get things done kind of stuff <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy shows up and it just explodes into this yes. cr- crazy dynamic between the two of them and then I was reading yeah. a little bit about it and it's it's considered the movie that started the buddy cop genre right which is like wait a second they started a genre <laughs> with this movie holy crap <laughs> yeah. because I grew up on lethal weapon die hard yes. etc et and like I always thought, oh, it must have been like Lethal Weapon that kind of started right. the first Lethal Weapon. But no, it's this movie that came out in '81 when yeah. Eddie Murphy's like 19 or 20. He can't even legally drink when no. they're making this movie. Yeah, <laughs> he saved Saturday Night Live the year before, yeah. <laughs> and then he starts a fucking genre of like yeah. the most 80 of genres. <laughs> Yes. Before he could drink (laughs) legally. I know. I know. It's so wild. He was a baby. He was like 18 and 19 on Saturday Night Live. And he just plucked from nowhere. Like He was doing like stand-up in Long Island. Is that what it was? I never quite have been able to figure out how he he got spotlighted to to get onto Saturday Night Live. I know he was doing stand-up. And I think he was plucked out of obscurity. But, you know, maybe... It's like every any, everybody else in the world seeing young Eddie Murphy for the first time. It's like, oh, this guy's fucking like phenomenal. Right. There's nobody with more char- charisma, and it's like, <laughs> like the scene where <laughs> the scene in Forty Eight Hours where Nick Nolte draws his gun, like puts his fucking uh, his gun in Eddie Murphy's face, and Eddie Murphy has a gun, and he just like lets it fall onto his fingers. And then he smiles. 
it is that is so wild like it just sort of like just the smile of it it's like yeah oh you just took control of this scene it's yeah so yeah with that with, yeah, with what, literally a smile yes yeah this is what because i want I, I rewatched 48 hours last night and i think that it would still be a really really good movie if eddie murphy was not in it yeah you it know? would be it would be but it would take but he i mean his his screen presence really just takes it to a level that I mean, yeah, okay, so you can see how Lethal Weapon is basically trying to sort of reconstruct that with different, you know, slightly tweaked dynamics, but the basic setup is there. Yeah, Um, yeah. And It's it's more hyperactive. Yeah, but you need need a kind of barely controlled actor who's also (laughs) actually in highly... A high degree of self-control, like Eddie Murphy and and uh, uh, what's his name, crazy Australian Christian Nick Nolte. <laughs> well, yeah, Nick Nolte. Yeah, he's got- oh, Mel, oh, Mel Gibson. Oh, Mel Gibson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Mel Gibson's like, I do not like the Lethal Weapon movies very much. To be honest, yeah. the first one's adequate. <laughs> yeah, it's fine because like I love um, like Die Hard, mm-hmm. and you know I think I love the other movies that are in that general vicinity. Yeah. But that one, I'm like, it's cause it's, I don't know the mix of it's really sentimental. Like, Oh, my wife died. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he's also like, like it's, doing, like, like, it's, it's kind of grueling uh, grind. It, yeah. That's, that gets me very tedious and like, but I'm also doing this three stooges shit and I'm manic and crazy. Right. And yeah. But um, you know, I mean, Eddie Murphy is there's, there's, there's in sentiment. He's a thief and a, Probably yeah. it seems like he might be a pimp. I don't know if they actually make that clear. <laughs> uh, he must be thought of as one. <laughs> he wants, yeah. That well, it's a through line in the movie. That he's super horny and he's right. trying to get laid through the whole movie, and it's so charming actually. Because mm-hmm. it's like anytime he's alone for one minute, it's like, oh, a lady. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been in jail for three yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. What's that? He has that great one-liner about like um. I, like his dick gets hard when the wind blows. Yeah. Oh my god, that's brilliant! Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> it's totally that. a nineteen-year-old speaking at that point, obviously too. Yeah, yeah, because because yeah, the whole thing is he's also like probing Nick Nolte for vulnerabilities right. because he's very, his character is very smart and understands like psychology and stuff, mm-hmm. and so he realizes that Nick Nolte, even though he's like this super tough guy who I, who's who actually, I think he uses racism just to fucking have leverage on Eddie Murphy. Oh, absolutely. That's so clear. And yeah, he, like, he I, even apologizes for it at some point. Like <laughs> I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing this to like, make sure that the power dynamic is clear, but it's not working very well. <laughs> well, he's on the cusp of dropping the N word for about 48 minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he and finally, then, does, then he, I think it, right. Yeah. He finally cusps <laughs> over cusps. <laughs> right. right at the fist. <laughs> Fist, fist fight part. Yes, yeah, because yeah, I was watching it. I'd forgotten if he actually ever drops the N word, right? Eddie Murphy, and I was like, "Does he? He's almost there." He calls him like a spear trucker here. Yeah, right? yeah, that's like scene one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, because he's like says stuff about watermelons. And then he's yeah, like, yeah, 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 and he kind of <laughs> implies. The Edward, he's like, oh, I'm gonna call you something worse than that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then finally he 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 drops the end bomb, and uh, it's immediately like his great fight. Yeah, 
and and yeah it's like they and they don't back down murphy and he he holds his own even though like um it's a good fight because like nick nolte towers over him yeah but he 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 stands pretty tall until the end and then he's just like you know bashing him in his face right yeah he's saved by the bell but yeah yeah he's using racism as a tool it's like i'm gonna use everything i got make sure you know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but Andy murphy he is smart and he clearly doesn't have a lot of cards to play but he's gonna play them very well and he sees that nick nolte's vulnerability is this his girlfriend stuff yeah the personal stuff yeah and so just his disorganized personal life uh, with annette o'toole who by the way, gorgeous in this movie. And what else was she? I was trying to figure this out, and like I couldn't recognize. She looked familiar, but I, but I couldn't figure out what I'd seen her in. Uh, I think she is on. Did you ever watch that show, Smallville? The Superman uh, show. I've seen. She's it. the mom on Smallville. Okay, all right. And in the original Superman movies, the Christopher Reeve one, she played. She was like a girlfriend. Is she um, like Lex Luthor's girlfriend in that? No, no, I know who you're thinking of. That's a great actress too, but I, I forget her name. This is a weird trivia thing about Annette O'Toole, that actress. She's married to uh, Michael McKeon, um, the lead singer of Spinal Tap and Lenny and Squiggy. That's where I've seen her because she's yeah. been in one of the, one or two of their movies, right? Probably. Like, yeah. and maybe she's in like the um, Christopher Guest movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the improv ones. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. actually like, familiar. All right. Yeah, probably. Because it was driving yeah, me crazy, and I couldn't figure it out. Because she doesn't have she doesn't have a super long IMDb. <laughs> no, I was like, I, you know, there's only so many movies I could have seen her in. Right, but she has a lot of presence in this movie. Yeah, too. Like she's really interesting. Like every everybody kind of brings it in forty eight hours. Yeah. Like everybody's like even like the little character actor parts. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, like the guy. It's like I think I was telling you before, right? It's like a it's like a who's who of late seventies, early eighties B movie actors. It's just like yeah. a checklist of like, wow, this guy and that woman and the, holy crap. Right. Oh yeah, this and last night I this is so n- nerd shit. <laughs> hunt, this is the nerdiest thing. I was so excited for a second because when when they go to like try to find um the Indian they call him the two right. girls they interview yeah, the blonde yeah. girl and the brunette girl the blonde girl is fucking she was uh, Tasha Yar from Star Trek the Next Generation <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah I was so excited I was like late I was almost on Twitter like oh Tasha Yar is in fucking forty eight hours and then I thought about it I'm like. I don't want to make this public. <laughs> there's right like now. there's like four people on the planet for whom that that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, there's like all the little parts are perfect. Mm, yeah. You know, um, like even like the guy who signs the paperwork who says you got him for forty eight hours, like that guy is that Frank Oz? No, that's in, that's in Trading Places. That's in Trading Places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Who, he just probably just some rando actor guy, but. He just has that great hair and that yeah. great voice yeah, and yeah, his yeah. great eyes. Yeah, and it's terrific, you know. Or um, and obviously, uh, oh, I forget the actor's name. The guy from the Warriors in Twin Peaks, uh, uh, the bad Luther guy. in the movie. Luther, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, uh, what's his name? He was also in the Crow. He's the head he's of in the, the Crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the he's he's the head of the he's the head of the gang. Really? The crow that the Crow is getting vengeance on. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. yeah, it's very similar to the Warriors. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's found himself a niche. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's also he's great in Twin Peaks too. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and they brought him back for the new one, the the redone version. And his character was just like start was like a, a guy who grows weed and he's high all the time <laughs> and gets so high that he like go what goes for a walk in the woods and ends up like five states away or something. <laughs> That's his plot. Yeah, well, I, I I still have not ever actually finished the the original. I'd say watch the first two seasons. That's about where I gave up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The third season, the, watch the last episode of the third season. Okay, all right. I think David Lynch might have directed that one. I think he was like not doing it for uh, a while. When he came back. Okay, okay. That yeah. that that actually explains quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. The third season, I don't know. I mean, I don't, okay, we'll we'll talk about Twin Peaks some other time. All right, let's get back on the City Murphy shit. So anyway, oh, this is what I was going to talk about before was that this has been this episode has been a long time building for me <laughs> because the first idea was that I was going to do a um a commentary track for Beverly Hills Cop. Oh really? Yeah, that um, was the first idea. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean, then I realized that too much happens when the movie is good and there's not enough when it's bad because mm-hmm. it does one thing about Beverly Hills Cop is that I think it definitely hits a wall like the, the bottom falls out of the movie at a certain mm-hmm. point like it doesn't end like the last quarter of the movie I think because mm-hmm. I think the first half and maybe the first two thirds even are dynamite Mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. just terrific i want to hear you know? i want to hear more yeah i mean i've got my own thoughts but yeah i want to hear yeah your kind of breakdown okay. a little bit sure sure so the, the first idea was the yeah the commentary track and then i was trying i was that you're the second uh person i i reached out to about <laughs> about doing this because i think i, I threw was, a bunch of movies at you because i wanted you back on the podcast yeah yeah well sure. yeah i was oh man i would your initial thought was dirty harry and I tried and I love that movie so much. I, and I realized yeah. like the, but then I realized like the main reason I love that movie so much when I was a kid is I think it's the first movie I saw boobs in. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's like, I was just like, I, Oh God, man, that it's dated in so many wrong ways. I was defending that movie for a long time. <laughs> I don't think I have it in me now. I wasn't sure that you would vibe on this, um, Eddie Murphy obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I was going through a couple months ago and that, but it turns out you did and that's great. Yeah. But anyway, so I, so then we were trying to schedule stuff and things, whatever. And, um, a couple weeks ago I sent you my, the first ever shared memo about <laughs> any podcast thing I've ever done. So I'm just going to read it now. This is Beverly Hills cop podcast notes, uh, attendees, Adam Bolger, CEO, cinema, death cult industries, <laughs> Uh, James Griffith, guest, consultant, spiritual advisor. And here's our agenda. Um, first thing, Axel Foley. And it's interesting you brought up Dirty Harry, fortuitous, because I think he's one, Axel Foley, Eddie Murphy's character in Beverly Hills Cop. I think he's one of the worst movie cops ever. And it, in terms of like morality and what you want from a fucking cop yeah. and uh, social value. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? I, dude, so, so this was actually the biggest thing. Um, like, I, okay, so I've watched the movie three times, I think, in the last month. Yeah, um, okay, cool. And, you know, I went on my my own version of an OCD 
peak Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, so I watched it three times. And the first time I watched it, I was like, God, this is way more dated than, than I thought mm. it would be. Yeah. Um, but I was also thinking of it in terms of when you brought up Dirty Harry. Yeah. And so I was kind of thinking like, okay. And also not having seen like 48 hours before even really kind of associating it with associating Eddie Murphy with straightforward, well, relatively straightforward crime action. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that movie's still funny. That's because of him. Um, Right. So, you know, I was kind of like, is this a parody of like death wish or dirty Harry? And I was kind of looking like, when did the first death wish come out? But yeah, (laughs) but then it's like, but the second one, when it starts to become like the Charles Bronson stereotype, Right, yeah. Crap, like it's after this. I'm like, what the hell? Why does this movie feel so dated? And then I was like, you pointed that out. I think maybe you sent me that memo and pointed it out to me. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it is really hard to watch this movie after Black Lives Matter kind of really taking off. Because all I can see now is like, well, that's an endless list of procedural violations. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, like there's a scene in Beverly Hills Cop early, like where the chief is talking to Eddie Murphy, and he's like, says, "What if? What do you think of the newspapers got to this story? That you know?" And he describes basically what happened in the first twenty minutes of the movie. Right, and that's an incredible thought exercise. Yeah, if you if you read like a New York Times you know investigative series about Axel Foley, the cop, yeah, and his like, extrajudicial totally hunting, going <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he, he steals, he steals what two semis worth of cigarettes, cigarettes. Yeah. For a sting, for an unauthorized sting operation, which he fucks up, which he fucks up royalties to the extent, to the point where cigarettes are strewn all over the streets of Detroit. Right. And the property damage yeah, must just, just exceed the value, yeah. any social benefit of that fucking bootleg <laughs> right, cigarette. Because it's putting, it's going to put away what? Two guys for six Two years? guys. Yeah. And if you're talking like Black Lives Matter shit, like the, um, the, the original I Can't Breathe guy, the Staten Island guy, yeah, he was selling Lucy's cigarettes. He was selling Lucy's, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or bootleg cigarettes. Maybe not Lucy's, right. but they're bootleg. Yeah. You know this guy who stole his bear bond shows up at his apartment, <laughs> a cop's apartment and shot execution and he, style. And he's like, uh, I, well, when he shows up with the bearer bonds, he says, I don't want to know. I'm just glad to see him. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 <laughs> sir. You, you should want to know law enforcement officer, because there's no way this low life, petty criminal has yeah. about $7 million in 1984 dollars worth of German yeah. marks. And then it's the guy that, um, in a public place, implicates a, a cop in a in a, a car theft. Yeah. You know, like somebody could have overheard, right? You know, oh, them talking loudly about fucking stealing cars and shit. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's an interesting thought exercise. If you take all, if you strip it away of Eddie Murphy's personality and the humor, right. well, and, and it gets the, even worse uh, actually when he actually gets to Beverly Hills. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't want to step on step on your other points because I think they're good. Po- I think they were good points. Um, right. No, I mean they all kind of blend into each other. You yeah, can go yeah. on, please. Because uh, the last time I watched it, with all of this kind of in mind, I was actually trying to pay attention. Does anybody actually identify themselves as a police officer? 
Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He does not. Not he once. Makes, not yeah, well, once in the entire. He does movie. it falsely. Yeah, he, that's right. Right. Yeah, he. <laughs> he says he's a, a, a customs, customs officer. Yeah, so he falsely. I mean, to be fair, he's at least technically on vacation. <laughs> like, <laughs> does that make it okay? I. I <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's far worse. You know? it's like, <laughs> yeah, hey. you're right. Yeah, because he's actually conducting an illegal investigation. But at yeah, least- no, don't worry. Derek Chauvin, he claimed to be a customs agent, but don't worry, he was on vacation. <laughs> right. But then yeah. it keeps getting worse because I was when I was watching when they get to the you know the the climactic scene, the big shootout. Yeah, <laughs> Judge Reinhold's character. He's the only person who ever identifies himself as a cop. And he does yeah, it after and, he's murdered like four people. Yeah. And and the way the cops respond to him doing it is it's like, shut up, you dumb nerd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's like, like yo, you're under arrest. Right. And everyone's like, hey, good one, buddy. <laughs> like, dude, like, you're, you're trespassing. The only yeah. closest anybody ever says is freeze. Like, I can say freeze. <laughs> Just to explain this idea more. So whereas Dirty Harry is a fascist and he's, you know, trying to enforce the law via uh, force, you know, brutality and willing to kill, you know, basically and fear and whatever and break the rules. Eddie Murphy does the same thing, but it's all through deception. Yeah. Yeah, Which yeah, yeah. Be, I think he shoots some people and stuff, but he, he does, doesn't yeah. like. Yeah, he kills yeah. a few people. He kills a few people in the movie, but it's more like he lies, and he's that's he lies. Yeah. That, that's his great superpower in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Just to get back to my notes here, so his superpower is deception and disregarding ethical codes of conduct, and he drags down the other cops around yeah. him and makes them worse, makes them complicit. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does it to the the chief in the final scene, like, or the lieutenant or whatever. Yeah. Um, he just straight up lies and Tiger Tiger seems to feel the, the older California cop. Um, yeah. Yeah. He seems to feel some, some degree of validation from the big city, the big city. Yeah. It, if you watch the second uh, Beverly Hills cop, judge Reinhold's character is becoming like literally like they're, they're joking about, dude, you need help. But he's got like yeah. a Cobra poster in his bedroom and like right. this insane stockpile right, right, right. of weaponry. Oh, but that's the Cobra thing is a little bit of an in-joke because Sylvester Stallone was going to star in Beverly Hills Cop. He was the first star. Oh, was he? Ah. Yeah, yeah. And he dropped out like weeks before they're going to start shooting. Uh-huh. And so that's a lot of why the live wire energy of Beverly Hills Cop is they bring in Eddie Murphy, funniest guy in the world at his peak. Right. And he's going to come in and just make up stuff. And those are going to be the scenes. Uh, so it was. Okay. That explains a lot. Cause I, I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I thought this and was also, like, this is when I was kind of on my, like how much of this is a parody of like action eighties action movie stuff. It's not, I don't think but it's, it's a too parody. early in the 80s for it to really be a parody yeah. at that point. It's not, a, I think it is an action comedy. It just, yeah. it's just, you know, but it's just that it has Eddie Murphy in it. Right. And he's joking and improvising. Right. And that's the, the core difference of, well, also Martin Bress's, his direction, I think, is really good. Like it's, it's meat and potatoes direction. But yeah. Yeah. He's, it's really effective, which I want to talk about more in a minute. But so yeah, when, um, 
but the, when Sly Stallone was going to do it, he re, he rewrote the script, and his character's name was Axel Cobretti. <laughs> and so then, when finally they you know said no, the producers Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson said they didn't want to you know be around. They just said it's not going to work out, Stallone, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he just took all of that and he made it into Cobra. Did you really? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. So Cobra, his original vision. So Cobra yeah. is a parody of Beverly Hills Cop. Well, it's it's like the the dross. It's like the yeah, leftover yeah, yeah. material. Yeah. It's a weird secondary thing, yeah. and I like Cobra. Like Cobra's a weird fucking I movie. Seen that forever. It, yeah, it does. I probably it's haven't weird. seen it since I was ten years old. It's it's dumb and fascist. And, yeah, sure, right. Yeah, but it's, it's very. In, yeah, and it's it it feels like a twelve year old wrote it like a 12 year old right. with behavior issues. <laughs> right. somebody who should yeah. see the, the school counselor somebody needs coping skills <laughs> which you is know, why i loved uh, it when i was 10 yeah yeah i mean it, it holds up in that because it's a fun ride but it's also just so dumb right but anyway uh so that's a little bit of the backstory of the movie is then yes then eddie murphy comes in and he is just kind of improving he's right. riffing right which okay. makes it fun yeah, 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 yeah. No, it has it has an energy that some of those some of those other movies don't, precisely because he's riff. Like, I guess I didn't realize how much he was riffing. Um, yeah, like, I didn't know all this backstory. But that, but that does explain kind of the like the the feel you get where none of the other actors are entirely sure what he's going to say or how to react. Yes, anything like that. Yeah, they all seem a little bit like a little bit back from him. You know, like yeah, they're kind of con- waiting. They're reacting. Yeah, they're they're in the yeah. they're in the reactive position, which which kind of which makes sense in context, right? And some, but some of their reactions too are like the funniest parts in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like um, when Eddie Murphy is talking to Bronson Pinchot, you know, Serge that in the art gallery. Yeah. That, oh yeah, it's brilliant when when he's like, um, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah, yeah. No. I cannot get and the you fuck know out of here. Okay, so watching the watching the third Beverly Hills Cop is yeah. actually worth it just for the point of comparison of how magic that scene is in the first one because they try yeah. to replicate it and the rhythm is all off. Oh, really? Oh my god, it's pathetic. There's yeah, like, you know, there, like there's no the thing that makes that scene work so well is like there's no pause. There's like they're overlapping no. with each other. Yes. And yeah. And there's like two beats between get the fuck out of here and yeah, yeah. in in the third <laughs> one. It's like, no, you're killing it, man. You guys are fucking yeah. like improv actors. Both of those guys are you should know better than this, but no. It's also very funny that Bronson Pinchot had like a seven year plus long TV show based on that character. Hey. <laughs> it was the eighties, man. <laughs> yeah no but i mean that's just i loved kind of, i loved that show uh yeah so did i i almost said bosom buddies but um it's perfect strangers perfect strangers bosom buddies was that. great too yeah that yeah. was peter scolari and tom hanks those were my like philly 57 or channel 17 in philly stay at home sick or or right. like, what was it tuesday nights or whatever on nbc Right. Oh, but this okay. This is some brand new thought. I just realized. So, uh, so if you think of Perfect Strangers as a spinoff of Beverly Hills Cop, 
then fucking um oh that turns that entire tv show really dark and really interesting because, yeah because in the third beverly hills cop when when that surge character shows up again he's a fucking gun dealer really <laughs> yeah that makes it oh it sucks okay so now i totally want to watch beverly hills cop buffered the first one buffered with the entire series of perfect <laughs> strangers and then well, this is what i was gonna say where he becomes so- a gun runner yeah because there's that other um whatever the show urkel you know was on uh with, family um, ties right or no 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 that's the white people uh, show. uh yeah family ties was uh, alex p keaton yeah, yeah but no uh but but that was a spinoff of perfect strangers that's right like it, yeah totally it was a so urkel is technically a second generation spinoff of beverly hills cop <laughs> that's the most famous black nerd. that's so beautiful yeah, yeah, that's very funny. And also, the, and there's a million the guy- references then to Thirty Rock because uh, Tracy Tracy Jordan's character makes multiple references to both P. Getty Murphy and Urkel. Oh, really? Throughout that show, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Tracy Tracy Morgan's in the the Back to the Coming to America sequel. Of course, he is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not, and it's not good. I I heard, I heard it was appallingly bad. Yeah, it was not. It was real letdown. It made, and actually, the first one made the first one seem worse. That's what I'm worried about. I, you know, one of the things I've discovered. I mean, not just from your show, but like in the, I don't know, since I hit the approaching of middle age through middle age is <laughs> yeah. It, it it's an important. I'm, I'm going to say it's an important act of aesthetic self-reflection to start to figure out which stuff that you really, really loved when you were younger is going to make you feel like a horrible person if you watch it when you're older. Yeah. <laughs> and I have yeah. a bad feeling the first co- Coming to America is one of those. My, it might be. But that's also, that was the only like classic Eddie Murphy movie, a, a, like peak Eddie Murphy movie. That I saw in the theater. Yeah, me too. Well, I no, yeah. I didn't see it in the theater. I wasn't allowed to see any Murphy movies in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw it. Yeah, I, I saw it within like an appropriate amount of time to to make it feel like it was live. I had some uh, down the street friends, like some, you know, very like I was a nerdy kid and mm-hmm. whatever. But I was like uh, nerdier than me. Right. Okay. They're both like you know, very and they're they're like very Jewish and they brought their even nerdier Jewish friend like cousin or something. Right. And they were so into Eddie Murphy and Whiteface doing the Jewish character. Uh, yeah, that's that's a little rough. I, yeah, I, they, yeah. I just had a flash to it. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and my and yeah, and I just had a flash to my Jewish friends when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, but anyway, anyway, so now let's get back to my ooh. my memory. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, so the other thing is like uh, Axel corrupts the cops around him. Mm. Like so, when we first meet the Beverly Hills cop police force they're what you would want a police force to be roughly exactly if it wasn't for the fact that police forces as an institution exist to oppress poor people etc yes Um, right well because they don't have to come into any contact with poor people right yeah actually yeah that is actually a really interesting way of watching the movie too you're right you're absolutely right because it is very reagan era it's like the transfer of it's it's the Rust Belt forming. Yeah, 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 yeah. You and it's eighty four. It it's the election. It's the re-election. Yeah, and so it starts in Detroit. Martin Brest 
meat and potatoes director, but he was very effective in this. And he's yeah. very smart because the movie opens like a documentary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So you see like some kind of, yeah. Which it John Landis like also a, did very well at the beginning of Trading Places in Philly. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening sequence, because they shot everything in Philly and the opening sequence is actually very similar to Beverly Hills Cop in that like hmm. they, they kind of do, but in Trading Places because of that, the dynamics there is that they do counterpoint between like super oh, right. and then like, you know, rough parts of Philly in the way that yeah. with Beverly Hills Cop, they just do nothing but aside from the yeah. quasi ironic, like Detroit welcomes you moment. Yeah. Cause you know, it seems like warm and friendly and like, kind of like there's a community there Yeah, and you see like the auto auto plant, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's right. That's auto plant assembly line. And there are people walking on the streets and things are a little run down. Like they show the abandoned house, but there are all the flowers yeah. around it. And I mean, there's a real eye for it, you know, a real eye for this yeah. place. And then finally, like it ends with the overhead shot of the, uh, the truck in the alley, which, which That's adds true. another layer of like documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it just there's feels like there are all these documentary style images, you know, little vignettes. And then all of a sudden you're, there's Eddie Murphy with that rat tat tat kind of Scorsese yeah, yeah, yeah. dialogue with the guy, which is terrific. Mm-hmm. Fucking. T- yeah. Like his whole, you know, because it doesn't I mean, it make feels sense. a little eighties. And so far as it feels a little forced to me watching it three times in a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Cause it, it, it felt like a Soprano scene in a lot. Well, of I think that's partly why it feels forced. That's what oh, I mean. Okay. Like, I don't feel like, I, I don't. I, I kind of feel like not having watched the movie when I was seven years old. Um, right. Uh, I feel like in in the in the time I probably would have thought this is sweet, authentic, whatever. You know, maybe yeah. if I hadn't seen the Godfather movies or something like that. But, <laughs> but like, you know, it's hard to see that stuff now without without thinking right. of Sopranos, Godfather, and so on. Yeah, it seemed like very much like Mean Streets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I also don't mind like artifice in in moments. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like art, authenticity, especially when we're talking about fucking Hollywood movies, that's a Yeah. That's a fool's errand if you're going to look for yes. that. <laughs> it's true. I can't believe it was the highest grossing movie of 84. That blew my mind. I I almost interrupted your intro because I was so shocked at the movies that it beat out. I had yeah. no idea it was that big. I mean, yeah, I knew it yeah. was big, but I didn't realize it beat out Gremlins and Indiana Jones. Mother of God. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. But it's, but and what's the reason why I said Ghostbusters last is because that movie is so incessantly quoted and everybody knows it yeah. to the point where it's annoying. <laughs> and but I don't feel like that same saturation about Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know. Do you? No. It used to be. Yeah. It used to be, and when I was. In my um, OCD research phase mm-hmm. with this, uh, I found out that um, uh, there's rumors of Beverly Hills Cop 4 coming out. And yeah. that was before I'd even read anything about the sequel to Coming to America and how badly it was received. And I was like, dude, what the fuck are you thinking? Right, like, right. I mean, right. it's... But but I would you say that Beverly Hills Cop is a quotable movie? <sighs> No, I would not. I mean, it's a very verbal movie. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to pluck out some dialogue from it. Right. Even though the dialogue's great, you can't just pluck it out of context and just say it and it's a laugh. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wouldn't, in a different way, well, no, not in a different way. Um, as a counterpoint, like with, I think you're right to contrast it with um, Ghostbusters and that that's eminently quotable. Um, yeah. And out of, and out of context in a similar way that stuff like The Simpsons is or whatever, where it's just like, you don't necessarily have to get the exact reference, but if you have the vague sense of the reference, then you get the humor. Yeah, yeah. But and this well, a lot of, actually now that sorry. <laughs> oh go on. Good. Now that you tell me the um, about how Eddie Murphy was a last minute replacement, that yeah. actually makes sense that it's not particularly quotable because so much of the dynamic is in the like bam bam, you we're all kind of learning how to deal with each other litter almost in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so that and that's just, not gonna make for quoting like you you're not gonna quote an improv show. For the most part, no, you know, I mean, no, and it's, and it's all based on his charisma and performance. Like, I think if somebody else said some of his punchlines, it's not as it's it wouldn't be funny. Which actually, to get it back to peak, peak Eddie Murphy is actually yeah. part of the shtick in uh, in uh, in Delirious. Oh yeah, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he has hey, this fuck you, man. Riff on like. You know, you can't how like the people in the audience are not are going to try to replicate his jokes from the show and they're going to fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because his jokes like they're not that they're they're great in a way. I mean, some of his stories are great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And his performances are great. What I had actually and I don't want to I mean, we okay, let's just say that this is peak Eddie Murphy as opposed to. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop specific. What I had forgotten about yeah. watching Delirious and Raw was just yeah. how good an impersonator he is. Yeah, mother, yeah. Well, God, he's amazing. He turns into Bill Cosby and <laughs> and like and uh, and De Niro and like I mean like his face changes. Jackie Gleason and Jackie Gle- Yeah, his his face literally changes. I know, it's and just insane. in a related topic, I forgot how aggressively homophobic it is from the jump. I had, you know, like, yeah, I had, that was, I would, so I'm really glad I moved, I moved the TV into the middle of my apartment because the walls are a little bit thin. <laughs> <laughs> and also, thankfully I live in Turkey. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe English doesn't always carry through even thin walls so well, but holy crap from the, from the jump in delirious. Yeah. Like the first a little solid five to 10 minutes is all like really reactionary homophobia. Yeah. yeah. But it's um he but then apologize like, for this apparently in the nineties. <laughs> this is gonna know, relate whatever that's worth. <laughs> right, right, right. What's gonna it's relate okay. to another <laughs> This is gonna relate to another agenda item from my memo that we're gonna come up on. But which so, is actually but we'll I think t- brilliant, by the way. Thank I you. I didn't tell you that before, but I think it's brilliant. <laughs> You're absolutely right about the impression things. I was, I watched a little bit of it last night. And when he gets starts doing Jackie Gleason, yeah. I was just like, this is incredible. Like the yeah. mechanics of the voice. And you're right. Like even his face kind of changes. Yeah. Like it's it's like tuning a radio to a different station. Yeah. And actually, you know, it really got me was watching Raw and the whole okay. routine about when when Italians watch Rocky. <laughs> yeah. He, he becomes De Niro and it's just uncanny. I mean, like you could you if you were in another room you would think it was De Niro. Does he do De Niro or Stallone? From 
Uh, he's, he enunciates too well for for it to be. Oh, do you, uh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. You, 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 I mean, I'm not going to say all the fucking slurs that he says, but yeah, 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 you know, yeah. just fucking guy. You, you know, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I also can't do fucking accents. You know, I'm just going to. Does he say Mooley in that one? Yes, is he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very well observed. You can tell because he's from Long Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, some I, thought Rosen- from, I thought he was from Bensonhurst. No, 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 no. He's from Roosevelt, Long Island. You know, uh, same town as Howard Stern. Oh well, that, that's a well, that's a well-studied, well-crafted accent that he grew up with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows that deeply. He knows and, those and guys deeply. He knows exactly yeah. who he's. He probably has a specific yeah. human being in mind when he's doing. This. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny though watching Beverly Hills Cop because I don't know what like a Detroit accent is. I don't know like what people from. Detroit I'm going to go with Eminem like. just to make a callback. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing, <laughs> but. I, but you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if there is a Michigan or Detroit accent. There is supposed there to be is. from. Is there? I mean, yeah, I can't. I, I can't. I, mean, t- I can't. I can't tell you how to identify it. But I heard living in Chicago for grad school, I I started to be able to pick up on these things. Oh, all right, because Eddie Murphy has a very prominent Long Island accent, like New York ish, like you, like the way you think so? he hits certain, you know, certain syllables. Like I'm a connoisseur of New York accents. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's because I grew up on the East Coast, and um, I I don't think of him as having an accent outside of like a standard Black American urban accent. No, no he hits like words like talk. Yeah, you know, like he hit okay. Those W's. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. has that. He he definitely has that New York like we're putting W's in all the words. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Oh, yeah. So here's the next uh, agenda item is that so this movie establishes Eddie Murphy as like the first black mega star. And, you know, the first like you like there are like movie black movie stars before him. Mm -hmm. But I think that he was the most black movie star at the time. Black, you know, the biggest and the blackest to to paraphrase (laughs) Chris, Chris Rock. Chris Rock of of uh, Beverly Hills Cop Two fame. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's very briefly and who, Beverly and who, Hills Cop Two. From given my particular age, he is the one I gravitated to more than more than uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, because he took up that Rock, mantle in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, Chris Rock. It's equal. You know, I mean, his his movies. He actually makes some good movies, but um, don't don't rewatch New Jack City. <laughs> <laughs> I made that mistake. He did a movie that I really liked with Rosario Dawson, where he's kind of playing like a little bit of a version of himself where Rosario Dawson is like a lady interviewing him, really? like a reporter interviewing him over the course of one night. Um, huh. Okay. Uh, I don't know. This. It's called I mean, top I think five or something. I think he's, I, I, I think Chris Rock's brilliant and he definitely took up the Eddie Murphy mantle. Yeah. Like in well, a high a, quality way, like though. the genealogy is Richard Pryor, G- Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, in that way, right? Yeah, then you know Chappelle and Cal yeah, Williams yeah. But and, Chappelle, Chappelle's yeah. a little bit more. Um, he's let he he's he his aggression is more subtle. He's just right. as aggressive, but he's more subtle <laughs> about it. Right. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, Chris Rock is more high minded. Like he has more so, like macro level social observations. Yeah. And thing, things yeah. to say than I think Eddie Mer- than I any of those other guys. Yeah, I think like, you're right. And but I also yeah. think like that's the genealogy. It makes sense. it makes a kind of sense 
If yeah. you trace it, Eddie, uh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Chappelle, like Chappelle has very clearly macro. Um, right. Yeah. Like the, yeah. I mean the, the, the whole skit, the whole, um, black KKK members <laughs> the first episode of his show. Was yeah. like, I still remember seeing that first episode when it first aired. my jaw hit the ground. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I think we watched it together. We might've, we might've. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, but cause I, we I mean, I just, I just remember that shock of like, Holy hell. Yeah. Like yeah. even Chris Rock isn't going to go in that direction. Yeah, it was darker. It was darker and weirder. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Uh, he's, so Eddie Murphy is the first black movie star, and the, I think that his blackness is really like front and center in Beverly Hills Cop. Like his, he talks really fast. He has an attitude. He's a young black eighties dude. Yeah, he's like, okay. and I, I, he's like a hip hop generation guy. Okay. You know. And he's not, I don't think culturally he is, you know, right. like if you watch like his stand up stuff, he talks about like Teddy Pendergrass and stuff. Right, like, right. He's a little bit like a couple years removed from hip hop. And yeah, yeah. Um, he's, well, he's a little bit older. Yeah. He was in his twenties when all of that stuff hit. So like, his, well, his I mean, no, he's the like right cool age for it. He's, but he's cool in the gang. He's not. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 He's like, cause Jackson yeah, cause five he's like, is his childhood and that sort of thing. Yeah, he was born in 61, yeah. right? So, uh, is that right? I don't know. I, yeah, I looked it up. That's how I knew he was 18 or 19 because I was so yeah. stunned by how young he was. And yeah, but yeah, so he's this like young, brash kind of hip hop generation guy, you know, like Grandmaster Flash era, you know. Oh, that's good. Hip-hop. Yeah, Grandmaster Flash. That's the right, that's the right, yeah, kind of point. Like 1983 hip hop, like and even like he's dressed like that, like the way he's dressed in that first scene and that like super tight fucking tank top mm-hmm. and there's like um yeah it could have been from some of those camcorder stuff from the 70s in the bronx yeah yeah i mean it looks kind of like very almost b-boy like you yeah, know yeah. almost like exactly like he could be just put a kangol on him crew. and he's gonna yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he looks cool it's a great look yeah, yeah. he has those cool sneakers he has that those like kind of almost like pa- not parachute pants uh, like uh, <laughs> And he's not taking any shit from anybody. Right. He's not like downtrodden in any way. Like I think he said at some point, like when Richard Pryor was in movies, like he would fight back. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was always like a reaction with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor gets stomped on and he's like, you know, then he's reacting to that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eddie Murphy's movies are different yeah. because he's like in control of the, of this stuff. Like nobody's stepping on him. You I know? like he that. doesn't really let them. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Cause he, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I'm I'm just not like I'm an expert in the history of collaboration <laughs> or something like that. But it it kind of makes sense within a certain type of trajectory of like post civil rights, uh, right? Yeah, experience. I mean, it's definitely like it's there's no Sidney Poitier like no no there's no there's no precise heroes in this in these movies. right. Yeah, it's not like the talented tenth, and we got to be you know like yeah formal, and we've got to like whatever. This is more the language of human being uh, drawn from reality in a way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, his kind of rhythm and his, you know, speech patterns, his directness and his brashness, you know? Right. But but what's interesting about Beverly Hills cop though, too, with that, bear that in mind is that every other character, except for the police chief, the, the Detroit chief is white. That's that's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah. Well, I mean, when he started talking about like Reagan's America, Beverly Hills is, 
microcosm of Reagan's America, I thought that was fucking so on point because the only black people you see outside of Damon Wayans as yes. as a random dude in the hotel yeah. are in Detroit. Yeah. Like, well, you do see the one kind of uh, Sidney Poitier-ish cop. Oh, right, yeah, that's like, right. Who he makes, we're not, who Eddie makes fun of, like, immediately. Right, he's like, right. No, it's got to be natural. You got to, I ain't drinking your shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've been hanging yeah, out with phone. this guy too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is so funny. It's so funny that he's like, he's, no, this is how black people talk. Right. Well, I kept coming yeah. back to, I mean, when I was watching it, and then also with Delirious and Raw, I kept coming back to, like, there's a, there's a classic uh, Simpsons episode where, uh, where Homer's watching like evening at the improv type of shit, oh, yeah. which I love. White I, people yeah. drive like this. Yeah. Or like the old 30 and he, Homer's like, yeah, he's right. we're so lame. Or like in the 30 rock episode where, where Tracy Morgan or Tracy Jordan discovers he's, he's white. Because yeah. he's like, my entire persona is based on an in-depth analysis of the difference between black and white people. And it's like, black people die on the phone like this. And yeah. like, like, mother of God, like, I can't remember, because I don't know Richard Pryor's stuff that well. Like, is yeah. this a callback to Richard Pryor or, or to Eddie Murphy? <laughs> like, But, I mean, Raw and Delirious, like, there's what 15 20 minute chunks of like black people do this white people do that and it's yeah such a goddamn yeah. cliche I yeah mean, i think it became and it is absolutely hysterical yeah still yeah. hysterical yeah i mean it all work even like that fucking kind of repellent homophobic shit yeah. is still it's still like it's fucking funny <laughs> It's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to like, laugh. I feel like a bad person, but it's still. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, Mr. Teague. Yeah. It's the imagery. I think it's the imagery of Mr. Teague. Well, let's table, let's table this Teague again. Also because, being a catcher more than anything else. Well, they both are. But again, let's table this. Because when we get to the next thing. All right. So yeah. So, but in order for him to have this like black authenticity in and this hip hop like brashness in Beverly Hills Cop, he's got to be a police officer. Right. He's got to be a fucking law and order upholding right. cop. He can't just be like which they're playing the 40, off from the from the opening. Like it, you know, black guy on screen. Of course, he's going to be a scammer. Oh no, he was a cop. Yeah, that's yeah. how he can be the hero. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Is you know what's also funny is if um. I think if you're going to, like, we talked about this, like having like an Eddie Murphy movie party, which I think would be really fucking fun. Mm-hmm. If you're having some people over for like watching some movies and drinking some drinks or whatever, just chilling out, you have like fucking like peak Eddie Murphy for like four hours would just be a fun time. Like time. people. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. gonna, be, a solid 20% of any audience is going to be offended. Yeah, yeah, maybe here and there, but um, if you can roll with it, you know, right. but like watching 48 hours last night, because there's the you know, key scene where um, Eddie Murphy pretends to be a cop in the movie, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of like, that's all of, and then that becomes the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, yeah. I hate honkies. (laughs) I don't like white people and I hate rednecks. You people are rednecks. And yeah, he's like, I'm your worst nightmare. I'm an N word with a gun. (laughs) Fuck. Which is a brilliant paraphrase. Malcolm X. Is it? Yeah, he said, "What's the what's what's the scariest thing in the world? 
and word with a library card. <laughs> <laughs> it's but what's great about it too is you can see there's a, a subtext to it because you see that he's a little nervous. He's not sure that mm-hmm. his his lie is, is going to work. Gonna work or am I going to yeah. the coin toss at any given moment? And it almost slips a couple times, mm-hmm. and then he walks out of that room with his eyes bugged out wide <laughs> really quickly. Yeah, like he's like, I got this. This is it. It's gonna fall apart. Right. You know, I can't believe I did this. I'm like, and you can feel like his fucking adrenaline, and it's you know, it's amazing. But um, but then the whole movie that that's the entire movie of Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking like, if you do an Eddie Murphy movie party, you could almost like get up in between, like you play Forty Eight Hours first, then you put on Beverly Hills Cop, and in between, you're like, okay. So what, Reggie Hammond. What do white people do in the early eighties with the with the black police officer? <laughs> oh yeah, that was also amazing because I was thinking like of Eddie Murphy's Saturday Night Live sketch, uh, "White Like Me," where he goes in white face and infiltrates mm. white America. Yeah, that's brilliant. amazing. That's brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, not to get wildly off topic. That was actually like, sure. the first conversation I had had about race with my family. I saw that skit, and my mom told me about how it was a fam- how black like me was like this famous awful awful book that came out in the 70s. Right. And I was like what the fuck? And yeah. Yeah, it was like one of the first times I really had a had a conversation about race with my family it was from oh, the white like me sketch. I, I think there's echoes of that sketch in the um redneck bar scene in 48 mm. hours because it feels like what black people think that white people do and black people aren't around mm-hmm. blasting this fucking really aggressive country right, music right. and like girls dancing as like topless right, dancers right. in cowboy outfits and everybody's in cowboy Which I have to say fucking... this is really annoying because how did they find out <laughs> I know who's who let them in on I the mean, secret on, that we have come on guys who, yeah. who told <laughs> right yeah, it's a nightmare vision of white America yeah, yeah. and it's so appealing and then he takes control of it right, dominates right. It. it's fucking which hilarious. is which is the most which is why he has the line about with a gun right, right. <laughs> this is the most frightening thing so yeah so my thought is you'd play 48 hours first and then you play Beverly Hills Cop and in between you, you get up and you give a little presentation like so as we all know <laughs> uh, Reggie Hammond moved to Detroit after the events of 48 hours and changed his name to Axel Foley <laughs> and somehow infiltrated the police department and now he's pretending to be a cop named Axel nice. Foley, yeah. you know, and then this, and that, so it's a sequel. I like it. I like <laughs> Same it. guy. It makes it more fun yeah. to imagine that. Cause the actual sequels to 48 hours. And although although I have to say at the moment, I'm, I, I feel kind of protective of 48 hours just because I was so stunned by how, by how good I thought. Yeah. It really came out of nowhere for me because I, like I had no attachment to it. I'd just seen, you know, clips and montages and things like that. Right. 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 And, Okay, so anyway, um, so Eddie Murphy is like this, you know, very brash black character in a way that n- probably never had been on film before. I mean, maybe like black exploitation movies had something like that, but this is, you know, different energy, yeah, different and, time, and, and not not as a main character, not as the, right? Not yeah, as the vehicle, yeah. I guess is the. Well, you maybe like soup, like Superfly or something, or like Dolomite. Yeah, but those are black exploitation, right? Like. Yeah, major yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. So, like this is Paramount, right? Or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but what's funny is that, so he's really this brash representation of like hip hop generation black dudes. But then, um, his character is a cop first of all, and secondly, he doesn't have any romance in the movie, mm-hmm. which which is very weird because mm-hmm. it feels almost like 
he's being constrained like a black dude can't mm-hmm. like they already had cast the movie and they got that white lady yeah yeah, yeah. it was very good yeah, actually very, the yeah. jenny yeah. she's really good and then you have some pretty good chemistry but their vibe is friends. not romantic yes. at all it's and they're friend. yeah just an old friend just a couple friends and there's really no if you like it, the movie makes a lot more sense if they're if they do have a romance but you know i know what you're leading up to and i and this is why i was saying i i, I actually really think that this this reading of the the reading of the film that you're kind of leading up to is brilliant I think it actually Thank you. Thank you. really makes the whole movie a much more interesting movie than maybe they even intended it to be. And maybe, and, and, right. I, and when, when you first told me about this, I had no clue about the Stallone stuff sitting in the background yeah. of the production. Cause you yeah. know, like may, maybe I have no clue what the racial dynamics of the production in terms of like Axel Foley getting with a white lady or whatever may or may not have been. Or maybe they right, just right, didn't right. think it worked, or maybe Eddie Murphy didn't think it worked. Maybe Eddie Murphy well, thought like, no, no, no. Sloan wrote a romance into the script, into his script between him. No, no, no. Yeah. I think I think it actually becomes a much more interesting film with with yeah. what you're about to say. So sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to step on. No, I'm, no, I'm good. So yeah, here's the next the next agenda item is uh, is Axel Foley gay? <laughs> because. Uh, there's no romance for him in the whole movie and his whole fucking thing is that he lies and manipulates and controls people except for when his friend, um, Mikey shows up and what, and Mikey is like the most physically intimate character with him in the whole movie. Yep. And, and not just, I mean, it's, it's a deep, it's a deep emotional bond. Yeah, and he's, he even like embraces him and looks him in the eye, and he says, "Don't you know, man? I yeah, love you." Because we well you know? at the moment because he referenced the scene, that scene earlier when when they're talking about like the dude publicly implicates a police officer in a car theft. Okay, granted when they were yeah, teenagers, yeah, yeah. and so he could have had it expunged from his record and whatnot. But oh, as a quick aside, just again like Martin Brest's great meat and potatoes direction, like the first scene where. Where Eddie Murphy realizes that somebody is in his apartment, and so he's going through the dark hall with his gun drawn, mm. and it's suspenseful. But then he opens the door and he comes in with his gun, and the guy is sitting at the kitchen table with the uh, refrigerator door yeah, open, behind. eating a sandwich. Yeah, and I think that's just for in that room, just to have him lit up, so there's a contrast ah, of light between the dark hall and that room. And and so he, yeah, he's like in a Hawaiian shirt, and it's colorful. Yeah. And there's no threat and it's fun all of a right. sudden. And yeah, and it's just like a simple right. thing to say, oh no, we're keep the refrigerator door open mm-hmm. to have more light in here. And also and it's because like, it's a small kitchen and they were obviously shooting on some in some degree right. of location. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're at some location and that's the only way they can get a light yeah. in there. The only light source and it works yeah, great. No, and then Eddie Murphy gets and to say, he's like, like, no, close the fucking door, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I made a money. And it gives another character moment for both yeah. of them too. Cause it shows him like t- the Mikey taking advantage of Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy, yeah. you know, you know, being a little annoyed, but also, yeah. So Mikey is the only one who is able to manipulate and deceive Axel Foley. Yeah. He's the only one that's able to turn that superpower against yeah. him. And he drives the whole plot of the yeah. movie. And it and uh, it's almost like he's a femme fatale yep. 
like, like in a noir yeah. movie. No, that's that's. Uh, I, I really really like this as a re. Yeah. And yeah. part of this, so the part that I didn't tell you before, um, part of the reason I I like this is um, I I mean first of all I rewatched the movie twice when, after you told me this, <laughs> and I was like holy crap it completely works. That, yeah, that Axel, and also that every if time Axel's not yeah. gay, he's at least bi, or this is his lover on the down well, he's like, or whatever you call it. His character is very like not just like brash black dude, but it, you're kind of like sassy black gay mm-hmm. man. You know, but I like think it, it does. I, seem... So I think there's also multiple. I mean, okay, the sassy black man. I, I get a little. I'm going to say anxious about. I don't know what what another word would be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because of all the like homophobic jokes and delirious and I know and Serge's character and Damon Wayans's character. Yes, like all the. That's obvious. why it's so interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and I then think- also, I think you were also pointing out to me uh, the the kind of the feminine voice, et cetera, the lisp and so on that he mm-hmm. that Eddie Murphy puts on when he wants to see um, Maitland. In the right, we want to see Maitland. In the yeah, club. and he says that he's like, like very cleany, gunnery, you know, the very clean whiskey yeah. and so on. So, yeah, and that's kind of a through line through the whole movie because every time he's trying to finagle something, mm-hmm. trying to sneak in somewhere, do something like that, he, he kind out. of cert- well, okay, yeah, 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 but with Serge, it's I, I, you know, okay, he's so, flirting so with Serge. I am, I and Serge I, seems, I don't know if. I don't know if Serge is gay, but he says something like, that guy's got to button up his shirt. Yeah, it's not yeah, sexy. No, Serge, he Serge could is, read his... If he's not gay, he is a certain type of... St- he's or, or not a type, a stereotype uh, yeah. of a certain effeminate type in the arty world, according to what yeah. Hollywood wants to present, et cetera. It's, you know, mirror reflections of all that crap that goes on. Yeah. Okay. Would you like a Would you like a cappuccino yeah. with a lemon twist? Which, which, by the way, I've I, I've tried as a result of yeah. watching. Awesome. <laughs> totally fucking. Really? Awesome. Oh man, no, no, it's totally fucking awesome. I highly recommend. It's not, okay, it sounds like it wouldn't work. No, 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 it's not bullshit. No, totally do it. Totally <laughs> fucking do it. It's awesome. Yeah. So then we talk to Damon Wayans, his gay character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we're talking about bananas and shit like that. Right? Yeah, bananas. Yeah, you keep the bananas, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of and, course, um, in, in like what eight four four years or so with the Wayans Brothers show, then yeah. they're gonna have oh two snaps up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which yeah. is also like I mean that has some of the most, the the scene that I always remember is a uh, football has the best has the best names like Dick Butkith. <laughs> Wasn't he a tight end? He was. <laughs> yeah, uh, stuff that's like very, again funny, but also aggressively. Homophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, totally homophobic. Um, but <laughs> but like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah so it's every time funny, <laughs> like insofar as like if you can think of it in the sense of like here is men objectifying men because that's what's happening with let's say the dick bomb. right? Um, then maybe it's slightly less awful. <laughs> I th- but with yeah, the, but with the I, I lisp think, and everything, it's hard to get past that. Yeah, the way, that, yeah, the whole. I think it's a pretty hateful performance. It's, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. you know, I, I, I want to like it, but I can't. I, like, I have to tell the my twelve year old self to stop being a douche. Right. <laughs> well, it's funny because contemporaneously, you had um, 
uh, Kids in the Hall, the the buddy yeah, that's right. character, no, which is a brilliant by Scott Thompson, right. which is right great. Yeah, the same it is. Time. Yeah, you're right. Right around the same time, but it's interesting because it's like the yin and yang of yeah, this. Because yeah. that's really like a that's really a, a real gay man who's really like knows real yeah, gay yeah, culture yeah. and stuff, and it's coming from a place of love and or it's real. I think I told you about this before, but the scene with the sketch that they did with Buddy, where Buddy's stranded on a desert island with Oscar Wilde. And they just argue about <laughs> who stole whose stick. Oh my god, it's Gene. Oh, oh it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. It's so there's like Eddie Murphy has a joke with the black police officer in Beverly Hills Cop mm-hmm. about like code switching. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no mm-hmm. man, you gotta sound more natural. But also he's code switching from Constantly. gay to straight. From game from, from yeah. literally the opening scene. Like he doesn't talk like yeah. he does in the opening scene. No, no. I don't think that's a deliberate choice, but it's easy to read this. Mm-hmm. And also his relationship with um, the girl, with Jenny, it seems like very much like a gay best friend. This this is actually what made it really click with me when you when you first told me yeah. about this and then I rewatched it. Um, I actually yeah. think it really, the whole movie makes sense as, <laughs> then I went back to my original thesis. So when I, I hadn't seen the movie in, I don't know, let's say 10 years um, before you proposed yeah. this to me. And I was like, and my memory was that um, Axel Foley and, and um, um, Billy, Judge Reinhold's character, had a yeah. kind of, I'm going to make a call out to pour out a pour out a drop for Fred File. Oh, yeah. Um, who has, as far as I'm concerned, a very severely underrated book on homoeroticism in action movies. Yes. In white guys. I, my memory yep. of Beverly Hills Cop was that Judge Reinhold and Eddie Murphy had uh, an implicit homoerotic relationship in a similar way that um, Danny Glover and the fucking crazy Christian Australian Mel Gibson, yeah, Mel, Mel Gibson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all these other buddy cop action movies did. And, yeah. I, and I was totally wrong about that um, because they don't <laughs> well, really, like, the int- like Judge Reinhold's character is like the little kid looking up to Haggard yes. and. And Eddie Murphy. Yes. And, and also he's a little California of, space cadet, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. He's also playing semi-a-wife type character to Taggart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like the like, thing about... Um, the, the beef. Well, you do eat the a lot beef. of red yeah. meat. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> the so the look on Taggart's face is like, why the fuck <laughs> are you telling me this? <laughs> well, you eat a lot of red meat. I think that could, You might have five yeah. pounds of red undigested red meat <laughs> sitting in your ass right now. I think the guy who played Taggart is now like, or or was recently like a Rush Limbaugh style um, oh, ra- conservative radio. Uh, that's, I know it's really annoying. You're breaking my heart yeah. here. I know it kind of sucks, yeah. but because he's also really good in um, Midnight Run, the other oh, movie he made shit, with Martin Brest. Right. That's right. I forgot he yeah. was in this. No, he's all, you know he's a great actor. Yeah, he's really good. Oh, yeah, and also Hollywood Martin Brest. Oddly enough, he disappeared from Hollywood. He made this movie, which is one of the most one of the biggest movies ever. And then he made Midnight Run, again, big hit. Yeah. And then awesome. he made one huge flop, uh, Jilly, or Jilly, the one with Ben Affleck and fucking oh, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. but it, So he made that, and he never made another movie. And there, so and he's, he's like fell so off the face so of the he's earth. like the anti-Terrence um, Malick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. In a lot of respects, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, like, um, Beverly Hills Cop is only his second feature film wow his first one you know it was like his first one starred um it was like about a bunch of old men who decided to rob banks 
uh, I forget the name of it, but it's like Sunshine George Burns. Boys? At... Is it the Sunshine Maybe. Boys? I fucking loved that movie when I was like eight. <laughs> is is like Lee Strasberg in that I, movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Oh yeah. my god, I love the shit out of that movie when I was eight. I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. But... Oh, I'm sure it's terrible. I don't think I've seen it since I was nine. <laughs> okay, what else do I have to say about Eddie Murphy being gay? So I don't know if that was deliberate. I don't think they did it on purpose, but I think it's like what they did by accident sort of opens up this secondary reading. I, of yeah, movie. no, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it's a safe bet that in 1980s Hollywood um, – and somebody like Martin Brest is not going to have a ton of coding kind of right. experience. Right. Uh, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to guess. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, I haven't studied the celluloid closet very carefully. Yeah. But I also think there's two ways of reading exactly what you're opening up and which is, which is um, both of which are interesting ways of watching the movie and both of which, well, both of which I think, you know, let's let's kiss kiss the heavens for Fred. Um, yeah, because I even if it's not gay in the sense that we would think of it. Yeah, what's obvious is that what's driving this movie is a revenge fantasy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. and and so even if even if they aren't like on the down low, actually having sex, kind of gay lovers. What's going on between Eddie Murphy and um, or uh, Axel and what's the what's the dude's name? Mikey. Um, yeah, is at least a a very very deep friendship. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think he, you know, we can watch it as gay, and I kind of want I kind of want to watching it like in both senses. But the other way of watching yeah. it is like a very intense friendship. Right. And, yes. And one of the, or I mean, it's a, it's a very intense friendship. Or it's this guy who is knows he's in trouble, and that he's just trying desperately to to, to, to wiggle his way out help. of it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just manipulating his friend who his old friend who became a cop. But but it's yeah. also like I mean, uh, Axel would not even be able to show up at a fucking high end art dealership in Beverly Hills be like, Hey, can I talk yeah. to so-and-so uh, and have her be like, well, holy crap, what are you doing? Like, I mean, come on, you yeah. know, she would have been like, you know, under, if they weren't tight, really, really tight, all three of them. Yeah. yeah she would have yeah. been like, um, ask him to wait five minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so like I, I, and, and part of the reason I'm, I'm kind of pushing on this like really intense friendship is like one of the things that I think Fred was pushing on in, in white guys is um, the sense of, and I, I think actually now that I'm, I'm saying this out loud uh, yeah. to make another call out, Jeff Foy pointed out to me. Huh. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, and I think Jeff actually pointed this out to me for your wedding um, okay. Uh, one of the things that's going on here is like we we lack a vocabulary for a very close friendship that past ages had. Yes. Um, at least yeah. between men, like it's it's yeah. impossible between for for what we want to now call heterosexual men to have a very intense close relationship and not have it be 
sexualized in some way. In in the right, very way right, right. that um, Damon Wayans and and Bronson Prin, Prin, Pinchot, Pin, Pinchot and Eddie Murphy himself do in various ways yeah. throughout the eighties, let alone all the shit yeah, in the seventies yeah, yeah. and sixties. So I mean, yeah. I think I and and I kind of wound up watching rewatching the movie when you when you kind of opened this up and I was like, holy shit, this makes it a way more interesting movie. Yeah. Gay yeah, or not, so. in whatever sense you want to think of homosexuality. But as a revenge yeah. fantasy, it becomes a much and then it becomes like weirdly death wish. <laughs> like, yes. like and then it does become this weird comedic parody of yeah. of seventies yeah. uh and, and early eighties, like kill kill the kill the weirdos type of revenge yeah, movie. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a, I, yeah, again, I don't think it's a parody, but yeah, it, it becomes like an interesting entry in those kind of movies yeah. in a revenge movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I, that's why the weakest part of the movie for me is that part of the plot is hunting down the bad guy. Cause he seems very generic. Well, okay. And in a way so, that, so the, okay. You, sorry, you keep going. Cause I have one question that, that's probably not really germane. He's an art dealer, but he's also like importing cocaine. So it's an anti anti drug movie. Right. Right. But if you look into the people who made this movie, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson, Don Simpson was one of the producers of this movie. And he was like the druggiest (laughs) drug fucking fiend in the history of Hollywood. Like there was this this legendary legend, like, 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 Robert Evans level. <laughs> he was like, yeah, like Robert Evans level, cr- like crazy drug dude. So here are my notes. He also produced Flashdance and Top Gun. Don Simpson was a madman, hooker, and legendary cocaine weirdo who was spending $60,000 a month on prescription drugs. In the late 80s. 19- yeah, like the mid to late 80s. So that's, when he died that's of an like overdose. Four times as much, if not. Yeah. And when he died of an overdose, the police found 2,200 prescription pill bottles lined up in alphabetical order in his bedroom closet. Okay. So he was at least orderly. I mean, you got to give him that. Yes. Well, that's why he he was such a good producer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He He dotted all his I's and crossed all his T's. Maybe Uh, maybe I don't do the quaaludes this week. Yeah. (laughs) But. But so he, so he's a drug enthusiast, right? <laughs> and so then he produces fucking Beverly Hills Cup. Rich people yeah. are addicts. They're enthusiasts. <laughs> then he produces Beverly Hills Cup. And then it says this extremely pro forma <laughs> drug war yeah, let's plot. Let's call it pro forma. Oh, yeah. That's the right term. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, yeah, this guy's a bad guy. Why is he a bad guy? Yeah. Uh, drugs. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why yeah. not? Right. Yeah, drugs, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can almost, you can almost see somebody else thing. sitting in the room like, uh, prostitution? Oh, fuck that. Like, anybody. Yeah, fuck that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Terrorists? Yeah, no. Yeah. You know? Not in 84. Yeah, yes. Yeah, not in 84. 79? Um, yeah, that totally would have worked. <laughs> uh, you gotta get Reagan elected, motherfucker. Yes. Oh, yeah. He probably was a huge Reagan. Of course he was. It's an 80s anti drug war made by prolific 80s oh. drug users. Which I find to be yeah, so wasn't wasn't charming. he was on uh, that's a that's a an Eagles guy, right? Glenn Fry, yeah, and he would, yeah, yeah. Did I send you that you thing? Did, like you the, did, yeah, but I can't he, remember it now. 
Oh fuck! I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, his his cocaine shit was legendary right. too. I mean, the the Eagles like, in just, general are like mother of God. Oh yeah, but since you brought up that song, he did a ton of cocaine. Let's just say that. That's probably not <laughs> shocker. The, it's like the most boring, laid back fucking wallpaper music, and everybody was so coked up doing. I mean, it. I really like the heat is on. That's I like every song in this movie. I think the soundtrack is fucking brilliant. I'm gonna. I'm That's gonna say one kind of. The strip club song is is not my favorite, but yeah. Oh, I love the strip club song. It's a good song, but it's Fucking, not my favorite. Oh, it, it might be my. I think that's the peak because the, that's um that's the Prince song. Is it really? It's Vanity. It's the girl why, that why was. Why did the, I just make an ass of myself? No, no, it's cool. No, yeah, he wrote that for uh, Vanity, the, yeah, know, the yeah, girl yeah, yeah. from Purple course, Rain, and whatever her group, her name that was. No, no, no. I mean, I like the song. Okay, now it's like a fucking backbone. No, it's fine. No, but I, but the the main theme song, the Axel F song, is is yes. fucking brilliant. And it turns out that guy, that guy is like actually kind of a serious composer, but who's also done a bunch of really good uh, synth eighties. Yeah. Such so he's like well, really he, annoyed, but Harold, also like making tons of money off of the do 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 Yeah, Harold Faltemeyer. Yeah. He did the score for Fletch, mm-hmm. which sounds very similar. Is, yeah, no, no, similar no, no. I mean yeah. also an awesome soundtrack and an awesome movie yeah. based on my twelve year old memory. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a good okay. movie. It's All a better right, movie go. than you think because it's I, I I read the book of Fletch. I did and too. It's actually like I a, think you learned it to me actually. Now that probably yeah. I was really into the Fletch books for a minute because they're serious detective yeah, books. Yeah, no, they're good. Yeah, movies. like there's no joking around or whatever. Like they just added some quips Great. for the movie, so it has like this solid plot. Like it's good. It's it does every. It's a really good mystery movie, but also has this extra little like weird performance shit from Chevy Chase. But yeah, the soundtrack is really good. Very close to mm-hmm. Axel F. Mm-hmm. He also did Top Gun. Yeah, that was the but part he that he wrote. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he did like he speaking, wrote Highway. Speaking to the of homoerotic, <laughs> never seen it. You've I've never, never seen, seen Top, Gun. Top Gun. Man, have no, you at least seen no. the volleyball scene? No, I I I've never seen Top Gun, but I feel like I know everything. About yeah, it. just watch the just watch the volleyball. Scene. I want to no, I do want to see it because I'm really interested in Tony Scott, the director. <sighs> He also directed Beverly Hills Cop too. I, I, I just, Which I, I know. just like the Scots. Outside, I like outside Tony of like Scott. aliens. I mean, okay, I'll get, I'll... watch Man on Fire, the Denzel Washington. Movie. That's Tony this, Scott. That, that's Tony. Are you Scott. fucking kidding yes. me? No, it's Tony Scott, and that's the movie that woke me up to the greatness of Tony Scott because it's but all like he, a super... he also do like the fucking like bad boys movies. No, that was Michael Bay. Oh, they're the same people. <laughs> no, no, Tony Scott is the less evil version of Michael Bay. He's the less fascist evil version and less frenetic okay. too. All right. But it's like the same operatic, like swooping right. helicopter shots. Like even in Beverly Hills Cop Two, um, which is the one that like that's but one of one of them drove off a cliff by accident. He killed himself, I think. Tony Scott did. Tony Scott, yeah. Oh, deliberate. Yeah, oh, I think he I I think so. Okay. Cuz yeah. Ridley Scott did yeah. Aliens and Aliens obviously is brilliant. He did Alien. The first one. Okay. Not well, whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. 
Yeah. Ridley Scott's done a few <laughs> things. I mean, Ridley Scott sucks too, but Ridley Scott's done a few things that are brilliant. But I think really he's done a few things that are good. He did like, yeah, he did Alien. He did um, Blade Runner. Um, okay. Gladiator. <laughs> oh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what else did he do? He and other movies, movies that exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony Scott, like, he is very operatic. It's like, but it's all trash culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very o- operatic yeah, yeah. telling of trash culture, right. which I love, <laughs> and especially Man on Fire. Like, that's just my vibe. Like, I really, like, Beverly Hills Cop 2, it doesn't work at all. It's at odds with the material. Yeah. But you, you're watching it and you're like, oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. So we were talking about the strip club scene in Beverly, the first Beverly right. Hills Cop. Uh, and Beverly Hills Cop 2, there's also a strip club scene, very pro forma, because I think they did it in the first mm-hmm. one. And um, it's the most muscular naked women I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's like, what weird... And, it, and I was watching, I'm like, what weird <laughs> fetish was Taylor Scott on into? Grace stand-ins. Right. Yeah, but then he turns... Because um, what's-her-name is in the movie. Um, uh, uh, What's-her-face? Fucking... Um, you you know the the tall blonde lady. Oh god, that's right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. From Rocky Four, yeah, yeah, who played like icy tall blonde assassins for like. Yeah, years. yeah, Brid- Brigitte yes. Nelson. Yeah, yeah. So she's in it, and yeah, so she's in Beverly Hills Cop too. And there's like that bizarre muscular, not biz- I mean bizarre, whatever you know, but like just like she was so muscular, it just was seemed so yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. And I found out that Tony Scott. Um, was having an affair with Brigitte Nelson when he filmed the movie. And I'm like, Oh, I guess he had a type. Yeah. Yeah. That was the whole thing. But, um, uh, well back to the first Beverly Hills cop. So which is a great contrast to Beverly Hills cop two, because Beverly Hills cop two is all that dramatic painterly stuff. Like all the shots of like, uh, actually fully... explains a lot. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. You know, the rhythm's all off. The, the, yeah. The fun is gone. Um, Yeah. And there's more conscious set piece creation. Like yeah. when, I don't know, like the car like flips over or something and they go to the wreckage. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first one is more meat and potatoes, but it's still like really well directed. Like I, I think at the opening um, car chase scene. It's awesome. I think that's one of the no, best, one of the best you know, car chase you know scenes actually, in the movie. Cause I'd watched um, uh, uh, Blues Brothers. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. right before because I hadn't seen it in a long time and I kind of forgot about it. And it just clicked with me like, holy crap. Like they're starting the movies. They're starting this movie with a, with a car chase that's almost as climactic as, oh, as the yeah. end of Blues Brothers. Like this is just as outlandish. I mean, not quite as outlandish, but like. Yeah, it moves faster. And also they're playing Neutron Dance. Yeah, that, does, that, helps, that helps. Yeah. That, it's so great. I love that song. Which It's funny. Oh. The opening bass line, I think is a little bit, I think grates on people's nerves that bam but then that goes away pretty quickly. I, I, you know, maybe I'm just like, showing my age, but it, but I kind of grew. I, I kind of dug it. <laughs> I, I like it too, but I can. It feels a little cheesy to me. Oh, it's but so then like cheesy. once it gets to the, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean I didn't. But then once it gets to the verse, it's just like bam, bam, yeah. Bam, no, bam, it bam, makes bam, total. Yeah, sense. it's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the lady who wrote that was really interesting too. She was like this real lady from Detroit. The same lady who wrote the Friends theme song. Are you serious? Wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Where are my notes here? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, she was like his lesbian lady. You gotta be friends um, with these people. You know so much about them. Like, 
I know. I well, she seems so fucking cool yeah. too. She was really from Detroit, like, and while she was writing the song, somebody was breaking into her car, <laughs> and that's why the line "Someone stole my brand new Chevrolet" is like she's <laughs> literally watching this happen. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then she like you know scared the guy off, and then came back in and wrote the song. And oh yeah, so the song is so great, but the yeah, the car chase scene is next level and it just feels so impactful. Yeah. You know, and it and and it goes by so quickly too. And it escalates oh so quickly. No, it goes from it goes from like one to three to fifteen in in the yes. span of about five minutes. Yeah, and then he starts the, he starts smashing that truck into like parked cars. Yeah, and telephone poles and like yeah, it's wild. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then the whole time, like, um, the Eddie Murphy stuntman, whatever, guys, hang on to the back. Yeah. And it's, like, flopping around like a ragdoll. Yeah. So that, that in, okay, so this guy actually gets back to to what you were saying at the beginning. Like, the movie's incredible for, yes. let's say, I, I'll even yeah. grant you two-thirds. I mean, it feels it yeah. feels dated from the beginning, but, okay, it's almost 40 years old. That's to be expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's a pre-computers movie, and it yeah, and like that's soon, good and yeah, bad. and like yeah. in in ways that are kind of amusing and funny. Like he walks into the L.A. Yeah. or the Beverly Hills Police Department. He's like, they have this massive computer bank of things. You're like, oh my god, what do you guys have? Yeah. Detroit doesn't <laughs> have. And you're like, dude, I have that shit in my phone now. Yeah, I know. Okay, fine, fine, yeah. fine. So we can accept all of those things. But yeah. um, at what point for you did the movie fall fall away? Because that, that, that's you. the thing that you were saying at the beginning that I was like, yes. I, I didn't want to jump in for a variety of reasons. Sure. That was the- no, I I've I've watched this movie a lot, and I realize, yeah, I know exactly when the movie falls apart, and that is when when the Beverly Hills Police Force is on Axel's side, when they decide to when he explains to them the whole uh. scheme. And they're and then they're like, well, what can you prove? Well, we're going to and, 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 they, the, and when uh, the lieutenant says, forget what you can prove, tell us what you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when the movie falls apart because in the adversarial relationship yeah. that Eddie Murphy yeah, yeah. had with the Beverly Hills Police Department is gone, okay. and that was a big part of what makes the movie fun. That tension, him kind of fucking with right. them. Once he's friends with them, it's boring. Right. Then it's just tying up loose ends. From that point on. it's tying up right. loose ends yeah and it's that kind of lackluster shootout in that oh in yeah and hat. by the way yeah. eddie murphy not an action hero in this movie no not really that Which is some of the saddest action acting yeah like when he jumps down three steps <laughs> i'm like <laughs> really dude seriously yeah, that's the part where you probably would have benefited from having Sylvester Stallone starring in the movie. I, you know, I, it might have even looked sadder or sly. I'll be honest. Cause, Maybe. Because it's, 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 the it's, stairs yeah, would have looked even smaller. It's funny because like, the opening car chase is so good. And like they kind of have a... You kind of think for a second, okay, there's going to be something as good as that at the end of the movie. And it just... It's just like a little wet fart of nothing. But it's a wet fart of, like, as we were saying at the beginning... <laughs> whole long list of fucking procedural violations yes yes like absolutely a and lot that's- of fucking murders a lot of extra i don't know what to do with this but there are two moments in this in in that entire climactic yeah. scene 
that the last time I watched it was like, these are the two actually genuinely real moments in the entire fucking chunk here, which is the yeah. first when uh, Tagger, the older cop, finally yeah. manages to get over the pointless hump of that fence. Oh yeah. That's like, it's like fucking third generation photocopy of Laura Yeah, exactly. Oh, it gets utterly pathetic, but he finally does. Yeah. And then he, like he gets shot at and he hides behind some stairs and you hear him just say, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Which yeah. is like the only realistic line in the entire scene. The other part is when uh, the cops are showing up and the two like, I guess, security agents. I don't know who these guys are who are staring at the cameras all day. And one turns yeah. to the other and says, you're going to stick around for this? Fuck no. <laughs> like, yeah, that part's great. That's it. Yeah. And other but, than that, it's just this, like, what the hell is happening? It does not play to any of the movie's strengths mm-hmm. or any of Eddie Murphy's strengths because he's not improvising. He's not right. talking. And he's not a, I, I, but what's weird is, like, especially because I'd watched 48 Hours After This, is like, he can be a yeah. legit action hero. Yeah, that's that. That is but a good like they point. showed yeah. him in the weakest version of action hero, where he's jumping down three steps that he could literally step down. Yeah, it's yeah. The the ending is very disappointing. It's and a, and a whole slew of criminal violations by the cops. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's not fun anymore. Yeah, no. It's being funny. It stops being fun. It stops being everything. It it ends badly, which I think doesn't help the movie's reputation because mm-hmm. you leave with a sense of disappointment. And also, again, like post-Black Lives Matter, where it's like Eddie Murphy being proud of the Beverly Hills uh, police chief for lying his ass off. Hey, man, you lied your ass off over there. Look at you. Good attaboy. Great going. You're like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ruined that guy. That was the one good thing about him. Okay. His moral force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I totally agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. But but there's yeah. this was this was some this was one of the other things that you told me about as far as your reading, and I was thinking about this a lot, weirdly. Um I forget where Harry Harry Frankfurt teaches, but I, I'm gonna say Harvard because my hat. Um but there's this guy, Harry Frankfurt, who wrote this very famous essay in 86. They got published as a book called On Bullshit. Okay. Um, and it got published as a book during the Bush administration for all kinds of obvious okay. reasons. Yeah. And so he, he qualifies bullshit as something distinct from lying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you might have heard of this because it's one of these things that's kind of like bled out from because it's called bullshit, so obviously it's going to bleed out from academic circles. Um, right, 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 right. But the idea there is that, like, it's it's kind of similar to, like, what you might do when you're playing cards. Like, you bullshit in the sense of, like, you don't give a shit what the truth is. You don't give a shit right, what, yeah. the, what the facts are. You just, you're just trying to persuade for the sake of trying to persuade. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, so when you first kind of talked about, like, corrupting the cops, I was thinking, like, is is Axel Foley bullshitting or is he lying? Because one of the, the distinctions, and I think it's actually an interesting distinction that, um, that Frankfurt makes, is, like, somebody who lies gives a shit whether you believe them. Oh, <laughs> okay. But a bullshitter doesn't care. Right. It's just yeah. a matter of like, can I get through the next five minutes or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to leave it up to you on that point because I'm, I, as I'm saying it, I'm like changing my mind in the middle. Of right. Well, because I think it's like he is bullshitting and it's a, as a character, you know, when you watch it, that makes it entertaining. He's bullshitting. Mm-hmm. But like in the context of him being a police officer has to file reports and stuff <laughs> and, ex- you know, be accountable for his actions. Right. Uh, it's lying. All through <laughs> yeah. Through. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's a good point because the chief says to uh, to to the lieutenant in the climactic scene, "Is that what yeah. really happened?" And he says, "That's the report I'm filing." <laughs> the the other chief, the black dude chief, in the beginning, yeah. like I he's would say, awesome the first and I really he's amazing. He was. he was a real cop. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You told me this, and I wish he'd been in more of the movie. I know he only is in the Beverly Hills Cop franchise never in anything else but he feels like one he's one of the best movie police chiefs no, i've ever seen ass. and it's and it's funny like because there's a black police chief in uh 48 mm. hours who honestly kind of sucks a little bit he almost feels like he's like not a great actor before there's a cliche yeah like he's creating the cliche but it's not yeah. quite fully formed but it's just sort of it already has the weaknesses of it whereas and, you know, and other, not to get fucking, not to get old like philosophy on your ass but um which was the other Go thing ahead. I was thinking about in terms of like 48 hours and Beverly Hills cop and parody and genre. Like uh, Derrida has the Jacques Derrida has this piece called uh, the law of genre. Okay. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm, but anyway, so like with the, with the cop and or the Lieutenant or the chief or whatever in 48 hours. And you have, like you said, there's, yeah. there's like a, it's a cliche, but they're creating a cliche. And this is one of the things that kind of threw me when watching Beverly Hills cop or at least the original, yeah. like, cause I kind of always thought of it as like, Oh, it's obviously making fun of all these like buddy cop or revenge thing, yeah. but it's not It's smack in the middle of all of the, it's a, yeah. it, like all of that's happening in this first, like four or five years of, of the eighties are, the generation of a genre, right? Like the creation yeah. of a genre. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of people apparently like reference 48 hours as the beginning of the buddy cop genre, which is not to bring it back to Fred again, but of course I'm going to bring it back to Fred again. <laughs> that's, that's the homoerotic fantasy. Uh, yeah. 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 The homoeroticism at the heart of, of the hyper masculine fantasy. Right. Right. Yes. And it's true. But also like 48 hours is a decidedly, it's a very horny movie, but it's a very straight. It is. is, But you can also see like, I mean, this is why I like your reading of of Beverly Hills Cop is like, if not gay, intensely an intense male friendship in the way that you see form in 48 hours. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like if 48 hours, if another 48 hours wasn't just a piece of shit movie, (laughs) you can almost see like something happening where like there's, okay, none of them need to be gay, but like an intense friendship form. Walter Hill directed a lot of movies. I think at 48 hours and the warriors are probably, I can't believe the motherfucker did both of this one. That's he also did a movie called a uh, Bruce Willis movie called dead man walking, which is also great. It's fucking 
amazing. Yeah, it's has great. No business. This isn't too, holy crap. He did all. Yeah, yeah. He's a great underrated dude. He, yeah. He also, know, I think, this, this is a guy who has no business being as good as he is. No, I mean, Forty Eight Hours, like just the shots and stuff, like like the scenes, like in the subway. <laughs> Where that like crazy jazz music starts in, like that really aggressive, oh, like yeah. Well, that's that's and, the first thing when I started watching it. Was like, holy crap, this is fucking Dirty Harry. It's got that Clint Eastwood, <laughs> like out of nowhere, like this is sophisticated jazz that shouldn't be playing for a bunch of reactionary yeah. white people. But it's funny because like they're playing that, and so the scene is already kind of heightened, and then there's like flashing lights behind Eddie Murphy, yeah, like in a yeah. kind of. And, it's, and the way that his silhouette is offset, or the big, the first scene where he where you where he meets Nick Nolte for the first time in jail, like you the, it's interesting is like Nick Nolte is always lit, and mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy is always in darkness, mm-hmm. and they're not in the mm-hmm. same frame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there's a close up on Eddie Murphy. And he's like, "You got to get me out of here, man! Get me out of yeah. here!" Yeah, nice. You know, and then after then after that, they're in the same right. frame. Like it's right. or Eddie Murphy really solo. Like, like that yeah no no no. that's that's actually a really good observation i like that yeah no he's a great director and also just like the way his use of like lines and shapes behind people it's just it's next level he's a great director but he also he's made a lot of weirdly bad movies that have some good scenes in them like he's a real slow-mo um abuser like slow motion abuser which yeah you can see that in the water in the warriors yeah yeah, but it's still it's effective and it's right. great. But he, there are times when it's not, <laughs> and it's times. Oh, you know what other movie he did? Um, that I think we might have watched together. Did you ever see um, the prison boxing movie Undefeated with fucking Ving Rhames? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, he did it's that? really good. Seriously, like, he yeah he did that, and that's like a movie. I think there's zero female characters in it. Um, yeah okay this that's a very good call he is a dude's director he totally is i mean he's a john ford there's a a lot of ford he is he's totally john ford yeah absolutely i mean women exist they are yeah hi sweetie i have my call has been going on this. hey agnes i know well we say I am telling the truth, yeah. <coughs> what have you been up to? You been playing with Grandma? Please keep this. Did you guys go to the park? <coughs> the um. Hey, Agnes. How you doing? Agatha. Agatha. Sorry. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> this is my friend James. Remember, he came over with his wife Bogdana, and they played Uno. They played Uno with us, and it was a fun night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you totally won. Yeah. So I yeah. Who's who? <laughs> right. Hey, sweetie, let me wrap up my call and I'll come up in two seconds, okay? Because I think I lost it in my dad's face. Yeah, maybe you were a bad sport. Sometimes you are. <laughs> I, I think I was a bad sport. Right I'm pretty sure I was a bad sport. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Walter Hill, he definitely a guy's director, but there's a lot of women in 48 Hours and they are pretty fully formed characters, mm-hmm. especially Annette O'Toole or even um, Tasha Yar. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah they're all it, you know they're, they're all good oh no you know who's really the 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 prostitute characters which is maybe not the most feminist <laughs> thing but like the woman uh, you know, the, you the, know. The, yeah the the blonde call girl which yeah. is it's a very interesting attention to detail yeah. 
Because like you hear the guy on the phone, he's like ordering these these hookers, right, you right. know, and he has really specific things. Like he's like, no, I want like, and he wants like a virginal girl in a spring dress, you know, innocent or whatever. And then this lady, then you see her naked, and he's fully clothed, and she's talking about her ch- her children, and you know, to him. And it seems like he's didn't get it up, you mm. know, because she later says like, I think he likes shooting people more than he likes yeah, girls yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Although, yeah. although if she's talking about her children, let's be honest, like that's not going to help. I don't know, man. You know, what, okay, you're I the mean, father. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that alone. Well, just you're opening yourself up. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, it's cool. Like you know, whatever. I, I mean, I don't know. It's a pre-Viagra you know, film. Yeah, yeah. But also it's like, you know, it's at odds with what he wanted. Yeah, he yeah, wanted yeah. like some young little right. girl. But then later it's funny because you see her in the police station and she's wearing like his white and with black polka dot um, sundress. Oh, no shit. <laughs> like, I, I missed that entirely. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And he also says like that his friend. Oh, and the guy, the other guy, uh, his the Indian. That's the guy from fucking Predator. Oh, my God. You're right. Dude, that yeah, and he's a also fucking like checklist. Oh, it's every character actor. Yeah, yeah, it's a total checklist. It's, he also is an interesting guy, Sunny something, because he like ran for office somewhere in the South <laughs> about ten years ago, and he had a weird, like, pr- very pre, like, rough draft of Trumpian, um, right reactionary populism thing. Like, there's something like that people were worried about like, um, he's going to kick out the white people, but he's not white. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. You know what I mean? There's some weird, I forget the details, but he was really hot on bringing manufacturing back to wherever he was, uh, from, whatever state it was. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was like very like, Trumpian mix. And I don't know what he's, what, what happened to him, but, um, because yeah, he was, he ran for office and it was after, uh, What's the the wrestler guy who's also in Predator, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, he became the and governor of, of the governor. Yeah, yeah, the governor. Yeah, and so he was the third guy There's for Predator. Weird. To okay, that's creepy. run for governor. That's creepy as hell. The political ambitions yeah, he, of the <laughs> the Predator. All right. So what else should we say? I brought this. It's such a. I think it's such a fucking fun movie. The music is so. I great. do. I, okay. So like. Okay. I, I really, I fucking love your reading of it as, <laughs> as gay vengeance film. Yes. I think, I yeah. think that actually opens up an entirely unintended, <laughs> fascinating yeah. aspect to the film uh, in a variety yeah. of ways. Cause I watched it twice with that in mind. I was like, holy crap, this works way too well. Yeah, a lot of pieces kind of yeah, slide into place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wasn't just a joke. That suddenly becomes a really interesting moment. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so this is, I mean, the other, I don't want to get too much into Eddie Murphy's personal life, but okay. So his whole thing with fucking um, Delirious, where he's like fantasizing about pop culture celebrities uh, being the receivers and anal sex yeah. and their reaction. All right. And he spends a lot of time on that yeah, and a lot, lot of sort of. Yeah deep thought on that of what that would be like and even has that yeah yeah, the hilarious joke about it's so funny that jackie gleason getting (laughs) 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 (laughs)
<laughs> that's so good. But then in real life, like like ten years later, his star was starting to dim. Right. His um, he was arrested. You know, you know that story, right? You he, told me. He, but now, uh, I'm, now I'm drawing a blank. He picked up a tr- a, a transsexual street Are prostitute and was, yeah. And he said something like, um, "No, I'm just trying to help her out." <laughs> So this is like Hugh Grant's defense, like something like that. And it was, um, but it was the weird kernel about it was, you know, the transsexual thing. And then, you know, these rumors, you can, they've, it's kind of been scrubbed from the internet a little bit, uh-huh. but there's a lot of rumors about like Eddie Murphy and transsexual women and Eddie Murphy being, uh, having uh, same sex, um, same, you know, same. What do you call it? Same sex romance. Really? Or whatever. I mean, the dude. Uh, yeah. The dude, the dude has like fucking ten kids. He is clearly horny. Yeah, yeah. He's a very sexual yeah. guy. Yeah, and for he sure. Has not yeah. been kidding around. From, yeah, he from, knocked up a spice. Yeah, girl. yeah, Mel B. Right. Yeah. Is that <laughs> yeah. scary spice? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, the black one yeah, was of scary. Of course, she was. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe there's like a she doth protest too much thing with his aggressive homophobia, mm-hmm. and maybe like when if if you with the amount of imp- improvisational or, stuff or that he's going he's into, just, he's just cool with whatever. He's kind of, well, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is like maybe he was cool with whatever, and he kind of felt like he had to frame it that way in the '80s because you know which would make total time. fucking sense. Yeah, I mean, because you know, but. But then he kind of goes a step over the line with it. Yeah. F words can't look at my butt. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's also, I mean, okay. So I, again, I don't, you know, I don't have like the year to year dynamic, but like, um, yeah. so he says, I mean, that, that whole routine from delirious, <laughs> which is, it is fucking funny, but whatever. It's, that's like, it's great. That's yeah. like the year before yeah. Beverly Hills cop. Okay. And then I mean when when is AIDS even like acknowledged as a thing? He said no, he says he mentions AIDS in delirium. Right, right, right. That's what I that's what I kinda oh, yeah, mean. Yeah. Like like he actually talks about it, but like the US yeah. government doesn't acknowledge it as a oh, thing right. for like three more years until and then like three years later he's doing it raw and he's actually talking about AIDS, right? I mean like yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. It's. I guess that's. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I. I but I think that the the overall. It's not. It's not. Homophobic. You know. You can't. No. Yeah. No. I, it's, it's homophobic. Because I, I was. You can't pretend he's not homophobic. <laughs> no. And it's not cool. And you know, it was. I'm sure a lot of people felt. You know, a lot and, of people and and greatly so. And absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, the biggest superstar in the right. world. And he's like the most real dude, and he's you know, and he begins his goddamn thing with, yeah, like he's he's using that as a way to show his authenticity, yeah. you know, and and it's that sucks in that yeah. way, yeah, you know? yeah. No, you're it's, you're you're right, you're right. I mean, there's no excusing it. No, but. it's it's like I, I mean the the thing that would be an apologia for it would be if Eddie Murphy really had some flexibility about his sexuality and that it he was defensive or 
felt vulnerable about it and expressed it in this way, but he's, but he's never publicly, he'd have to publicly say yeah, that and, and really and spell I, that and fucking I out. Seen that. I mean, yeah, not, not I don't that think I he had a lot would. of time thinking about Eddie Murphy's sexuality, but um. <laughs> not, I mean, me, unless uh, like, unless I watch a Beverly Hills <laughs> Cop, I guess. Which I, you know, I, I, Beverly Hills Cop, yeah, I I, the girl does not, Jenny does not come back for Beverly Hills I, Cop too. This, for, is, this which, is partly why I think it's actually a really brilliant read. Man, I think, I think, yeah. I think it's a gay movie. Yeah, she doesn't come totally back for Beverly Hills Cop too. And they bring in like a substitute Jenny who even has less sexual chemistry <laughs> yeah. with Eddie Murphy than yeah. Jenny does. Like Jenny and if, if Jenny and Eddie Murphy like made out in Beverly Hills Cop. It would be like, like here's a scene where, make out. I don't know. There's a scene where like she's sitting on his hotel bed, you know, at the Beverly Hills Hotel or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, she's like, they seem very comfortable with each other. You know, it's, you know, maybe friends, you know, st- you know, sometimes, you know, you have a friend who's a girl and like you start making out with her and then, you know, you're seven years later, you're married. You know how people are, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you, you could almost see that happening, but you're right. They don't have that kind of spark between them. Right. And it, 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 and it's it, fine. It more like, like, I mean, this is the thing that's interesting is it's fine within the context of the movie. Yeah, it would slow down the plot, and it wouldn't. It would be a little, be a little bit more let in, but yeah, there's no reason for it to happen, right? But but it's like uh, the fact that it doesn't happen is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be, you know, I no, I think you're right. I think it actually makes it a much more interesting movie in the in the sense yeah. that like, um especially in the in the manipulation sense like yeah that Mikey is the one person who can play Axel yeah his Achilles heel yeah exactly yeah absolutely yeah i think if they if they it's ever Patroclus. remade Beverly... what's that it's Patroclus. yeah <laughs> yeah if, if they ever made remade Beverly Hills Cop i think it should be a sassy black uh gay dude I'd be really fun. I'd, I'd be totally for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like bring that, bring that subtext up to text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And 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 give some, give Fred some uh, some royalties on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We've been doing this for over two hours. Holy crap! I know, I know, and I feel like it's probably like midnight there, right? It is twelve fifteen, and I am so drunk. All right, I'm, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I switched from from beer to to whiskey like an hour and a half oh, ago. All right, man. Well, as Mikey said to Axel, don't you know, man? I love you. <laughs>